welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. Today's guest has had what some would call a breakout year. Having played for UCLA and winning the NCAA championship singles title in 2014, he turned pro shortly after. He kicked off his 2019 with a challenger win in Orlando. He won an Oracle doubles title in Indian Wells and then got through the BNP Paribas Open qualifying where he made a solid run in the main draw beating Jeremy Chardy, Alex Deminar, and then lost to big serving Milos Raonic. This year, he found himself at three majors, the qualies and French, and then lost to Feliciona Lopez, a veteran in the first round of this year's Wimbledon, and had another tough round at the U.S. Open. However, he recently played the Houston Oracle 125 Challenger Tournament and beat Ivo Karlovich in a dramatic final match to earn a wild card into the main draw of 2020 Australian Open. With a fan club who often yells giddy up Giron during his matches, or maybe that's just us here at Tennis Warehouse, we're super excited to welcome Marcos Giron to Talk Tennis today. Thanks for having me on Talk Tennis today. Uh, I, appreciate yeah. the, I appreciate the giddy up Giron. And I'm, uh, thanks for having me on here. I'm excited. Of course. So normally we kind of start at the beginning, but I'd like to start differently with you because I want to talk about Houston. That's so exciting. Insane way to finish the year. Talk to me about that final match. The score was insane. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I still can't believe, to be honest, that I uh, finished the year off with the title, especially the way that it went down. So going into Houston, I knew the only way to make main draw shrine open was to win it. To win Houston. Right. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. You know, either by wild card or I knew that it put me around 100 in the world. So amazingly, I, I kind of found myself in the final, had a really good week so far, beat some good players. And then going into the final, I knew, you know what? This has been a good week. This has been a good year. Let's just try to finish off on a good note. Yeah. But you don't know. You know, it's it's kind of <laughs> fitting. I, I play Karlovich in the finals. I had lost to him actually in Houston first round the year before. No so kind of uh, <laughs> kind of a full uh, full 360. So going into it, I knew what to expect. I knew I was going to get an ace a lot. I knew I had to yeah. hold serve. <laughs> yeah. If I didn't, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the match, uh, we, we ended up going to a third set breaker. Yeah. Fitting. I've, I think I played like 35 three-setters this, this year. So yeah. <laughs> and against Karlovich, going to a breaker is kind of to be expected. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that this breaker was really either I make main draw Australian, or Australian Open or not. And I start out serving a double fault. Not exactly oh, sure. a deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, next thing you know, I'm down one six, and I'm thinking, "Wow, like, I guess this this is how it goes." You know, this has been a this has been a breakout year for me, starting with Orlando and like everything else you said, playing through to the four yeah. majors. You know, finishing still, I'll finish the year 107, and I just thought, "Wow, what a year it's been!" Kind of going. You're like coming to terms with it. Yeah, like, exactly. Okay, like, I guess out. I guess I guess this is how it's gonna okay. go. But uh, <laughs> if I'm gonna go out, like go out of my terms and you know i'm gonna go out swinging yeah so win a couple points on my serve and then he's serving six three and i'm thinking well i can swing all i want but i'm just gonna get aced yeah somehow i guessed right got his feet he missed a a volley long six four and the breaker he serving and i thought well (laughs) great like okay you know i'm still gonna get aced anyway yeah somehow win that and i'm just kind of at five six i'm thinking 
just can't be real. Like, <laughs> can't lose. Uh, I mean, you're like, I, you know, like this would be a hard way to lose. Now that I actually did the hard part, you're back in it. I'm back yeah. in it. <laughs> so anyway, somehow found a way through and one eleven nine, and so it was insane to be honest to to be able to come back from one six and a third set breaker to win the tournament to make major Australian to play Australian Open for the first time is is surreal and so I it couldn't have been a better way to finish it off to finish That's the year so exciting yeah <laughs> um something I did want to ask you and you kind of just brought it up you played a lot of close matches getting to that final and it's kind of I wouldn't say your vibe necessarily, (laughs) but you do play a lot of close matches. And this year you've come out with a lot of really solid wins in those close matches. So is there something that you do that keeps you calm in those really scary moments where like that tiebreaker, like what are your rituals? How do you handle that pressure? Um, To be honest, before this year, so in 2018, I I lost like 20 matches when I was up a set and a break or a break in the final set. And so it was one of those that it was just, I knew the tennis was there in years past, but I had so many close losses. And so going into this year, I kind of had a, it was really a big reflection on how did I lose all those matches in the past? Like, why, why wasn't I coming out on top? Right. You know, the margins are so small. Why, why is that happening? And so, I mean, it's really easy to say and hard to do, but to just think about it, to try to not be emotional in those circumstances, it's right. how are you winning? Why are you there? What's working and what's not? And trying to really focus on the process, what shots you need to hit. And it's very hard because it's a lot of matches. It's thinking, okay, well, if I win this match, more points, I can get into bigger events, you know, right. money, every, everything. But yeah. but ultimately, that doesn't mean anything. The only thing that matters is the result, like what what it what is going on in the point. And so I think I, I kind of always went back to those pressure moments in the third set matches and tiebreakers kind of go back to thinking about what, what do I need to do? What is a solution to this? Right. Um, where I think in the past, I, I, I didn't necessarily do as well. And then, of course, since I've won a lot of close matches this year, kind of every time I'm in that situation, I think, well, I've done it before. Why not do it again? <laughs> right. Um, and and, um, and I think also, to be honest, uh, there are a lot of close matches that I've played this year that I didn't think should have necessarily been that close, but I kind of opened the door for it. So I, I think that's something that I can improve in the future. But uh, I don't know. I can't really complain if I get the win. <laughs> I don't know. Right, right. No, yeah, that makes sense. Now, we watched you play Milos at BMP. And that was, it was an awesome match. Yeah. But honestly, like, we're going to be real here. You could have won that match, I think. And <laughs> you got it. Yeah. So without being too harsh and bringing up the memories, <laughs> yeah. do you feel like you definitely see growth from March to when you played Karlovich in the final just a couple weeks ago? Oh, yeah. I mean, this whole year has been a huge learning year. Yeah. <laughs> Very cliche, but it's like you lose or you learn. I don't know. Totally. You know, and, uh, but to be honest, I mean, that, that whole Indian Wells thing, it was, it was awesome because I had a good first three months of the year be- leading up to it, winning a lot of matches right. in Challengers. Yeah. But it was in Challengers and where, where all the players are good, but it also wasn't necessarily against guys that were top 50 in the world. And right. so to see that the level translated was huge. The confidence yeah. seeing that there is that ceiling that I can play with them. And I think against Raonic, I mean, it, it shows obviously he's been top 10 in the world, top five in the world. Right. But going back to that, I think I let the bigger picture kind of affect me during the match, which yeah. was something that I, it's, it has been a huge focus this year. And uh, But that being said, it was a huge learning experience knowing that I could play there and that... <laughs> to not let, let the foot off the gas. It's, 
match is not over till it's over. Yeah, totally. Until the last one is played. <laughs> and I think that's great for starting 2020 off. You've got some great experience. You've had so many amazing opportunities this year. It sounds like you're going to be ready to go for the Aussie. With that being said, is there anything that you're trying to focus on for the year to come? There are a lot of goals I'd love to do. You know, I'd love to be playing in the second week of a major. I'd love to be playing for ATP yeah. titles. I would love to play Davis Cup and Olympics. Yeah. But question is, how do you do that? How right. how can you how can you get there? <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, it's just going to be a lot of hard work. It's going to be practicing. There's always something to work on, which is the great thing and which sucks about tennis. There's always something I can improve. Right. So I think, uh, I mean, a big part of it's going to be mental going back and looking back at this last year. Why were some of these matches close when they maybe necessarily shouldn't have been? What are a lot of the positives? How I came back and won a lot of these really close matches. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I didn't win all of them, but it was a huge improvement from last year. Yeah. So I think that's still something I can improve on. And just to point in, point out the fluctuations of the match, keeping the peaks and the valleys as short as yeah. possible is going to be big. And of course, I, I need a certain volley more, return, be more aggressive. <laughs> I know it's a lot of just small, small things. And I, and I think the biggest part going forward is going to be mental than the rest of the game, to be honest. For sure. Always a huge part yeah. of it. Are you working specifically with a sports psychologist or anything? The USTA has, uh, has the resources and every now and again. But uh, I've been fortunate this last year to also work with some really good coaches. To start the year was Peter Lucasin, and now I'm starting to work with Robbie Janapri and Evan Lee, and oh, cool. and uh, and so it's been it's great being able to trust knowing that they've had experience doing it. Like Peter Lucasin yeah. had a lot of experience with Escobedo, Klon, helping guys that were 300 get to top 100 in the world. Nice. And Janapri, I think he's had experience being top 20 in the world, semi mm -hmm. to U.S. Open. I mean. So really kind of talking with them, what they went through, how they were able to process it and move forward. And so I'm going to trust them and go through it. And Good team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about. The yeah, totally. Team. And then I wanted to bring up Evan Lee, actually. <laughs> I think your guys' dynamic is so awesome. And it's something unique, I personally think. Talk to me about Evan and how you guys <laughs> travel together. And he works, you know, he's like a hitting partner, no. <laughs> a friend, a confidant. Yeah, I feel no. like a therapist. <laughs> no, Evan's the man. Uh, we, yeah. we we go way back and we're honestly, I mean, we're really close. And so I, I'm so thankful that he's been, he's been a very integral part of this whole, whole thing. I mean, of course, none of the success, none of it would happen without the people around. And to be honest, I mean, he's just, he, he knows tennis. We're great friends. We went back through UCLA and <laughs> we go back to the whole mental side of things. It's about being yeah. in a good place. And he really helps me stay in a good place on and off the court. And so it's, okay. it's awesome having him there. And the guy can play. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I love like that you guys travel together just because it's, it's so much good stuff. on Yeah, and exactly. Off the, it's the whole thing. It's enjoying yeah. the whole ride of it. That's so cool. I love it. Now we can take a deeper dive into how tennis began for you. Okay. So what's your story and how did you start and talk about that growing up in tennis? Yeah. So I started when I was about five or six when my mom and dad went to the park and just hand fed me some tennis balls. Uh, <laughs> I was super active, really competitive, ran, played soccer, cross country. But my dad, his father played like once a week. My dad played okay. once a week. My mom played when she came to the States. So tennis was a part of the family, but it wasn't a big focus. It was kind of something to do on the side. Mm -hmm. But that being said, when I was young and still now, I'm super high energy, love to, <laughs> you know, super active. And, uh, yeah. and I think, uh, I mean, I was playing soccer, track and field, cross country. And it got to a point where it was like 11 or 12 
when it was like a track and field meet, soccer event, and a tennis tournament, it got to be so much that I, that my parents couldn't keep up, sort of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at that time, I was doing well in tennis, and I think also I think since my family had played it in the past, and then it's also a lifelong sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, soccer is an amazing sport, but it's tough when you get a little older, be able to play one weekend. Yeah. Not that I was thinking about it, to be honest. I think that's how my parents kind of pushed me towards it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But I loved it, and I was honestly better at tennis than at the other sports, and so I think that kind of helped. Keep it going. Um, <laughs> and uh, I had a coach, I had a long term. Coach when I was like seven till sixteen, this guy Scott Christie, and he, I mean, he was kind of a little bit like a like a second father, like would go to a lot of tournaments, and he always had this belief, Marcos, that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna be, you're gonna be playing professional, you're gonna be top fifty yeah. in the world, and he was a big part. He developed my strokes, that's awesome, and gave me a lot of the belief in my game, and so huge Very shout cool. out to Scott for everything yeah. throughout the years. And then how did the recruiting process look like? So I knew I was going to go to college. I He was good in juniors, but I wasn't one of the world internationally. I finished, ended up finishing probably 10, 11, 12 okay. ITF, but I still thought it doesn't really make sense. I, I don't know. I, I didn't think I was mature. I, I thought it'd be great. <laughs> Growing up in yeah. California, the in the U.S., college tennis, it's, yeah. it's awesome. A lot of very good players. And so for me, I kind of knew I wanted to stay in California. Family's mm-hmm. close. Them being in Thousand Oaks, I knew kind of UCLA, USC, they've got amazing college programs, tennis tennis right. programs, and academically, they're top 20 in the nation. So it's kind of best of both worlds. For me, it didn't make sense yeah. to travel that far for it, especially with such good options. It actually came down between UCLA and USC, and I think, okay. <laughs> which is crazy looking back <laughs> yeah. on it. But uh, I don't know. I couldn't go wrong, to be honest. I, yeah. With UCLA, I just kind of fell in love with everybody on the team, the coaching staff, and all the teammates. They were awesome. They took me in. On my recruiting trip, I felt like I was a part of the team, truly a part of it. And after leaving, I just that's where I saw myself. Everybody around there, I just really loved everybody on the team. And that was nice. kind of what it was about. That's amazing. And there's been a lot of pros that have come out of both of those programs, but it's cool to see a bunch of, um, I'm sure your teammates or former teammates or people that have come through the program, even when you weren't there, do well on tour right now. So that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's wonderful seeing all the guys do well. I mean, there's so many good players. uh, Yeah. But it's funny during school, it's like, ah, you know, I hate USC. I, you know, it's no Bruins. (laughs) But now, um, you know, a few years down the road, I think all the college guys that were in college are all supporting each other, even the USC. And so it's, it's really fun traveling and seeing all the guys that you competed in, you know, (laughs) blood, sweat and tears. But, (laughs) but I think all the college guys, even if you're on opposing team, rivalry team, rivals, we all support each other and hope the best. I mean, it's awesome seeing, seeing everyone do well, to be honest. Yeah. I was going to ask you how the transition from college to the pro level or the challenger circuit was. It was tough. The traveling. Yeah. I think the traveling yeah. was, it was tough and everybody is good. And I th- yeah. <laughs> the that's 400 in the world, 500 in the world, 100 in the world. Everyone is good. And it's a game of margins. Yeah. People winning, you know, all it takes is 1% more, or even less than that, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> matches are won sometimes, even if you've lost more points yeah. than you won. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which is mentally challenging. But it was tough losing week in and week out. Like only one person wins every week. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's super competitive. One person wins every week. And it can be really hard and really easy to let losses carry over from week to week mm-hmm. to week. Yeah. I think traveling to internationally to different cities week in and week out 
was just the toughest part and you'd lose and be there. Maybe it was early enough tournament practice all week, go to the next week. And then it's all this pressure. You know, I got, I've been training hard. I'm putting all this money. I'm investing myself. I want to do well. And then you go into the match and it's just thinking about everything yeah. else rather than, you know, it's well, just, and realizing the guy across the net is doing the exact, exact same, same thing. thing. And it's, it's tough. Um, it's exciting. I mean, it's exciting life. <laughs> To be able to go and every every week you have an opportunity. You wake up and you know you're going to have a battle, for better or worse. Yeah. You know, but I think it's really easy to hold on to the losses and how that can mm-hmm. affect your morale. And I don't know, it's a whole thing. The traveling, you go alone. It's the first time I went to Korea. I went, I didn't go with anyone, and it's very lonely. Yeah. And so there are a lot of things that I think just time on tour kind of taught me, and how how now I would definitely go about it a little bit differently than when I first started. So take that a step farther. And if you were talking to yourself a few years back, what would you say to change it up? <laughs> I think put less pressure. I don't know. Have yeah. like the expectations a little lower. Yeah. And, uh, keep the goals high, you know, eyes in the stars, feet in the ground sort of deal. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I like that. And, <laughs> and I don't know, really try to surround yourself with and travel with people that you want to be around that you're just in the best place mentally, to be honest. And, yeah. that, and that's where coming back to like being very fortunate and thankful Evan's able to travel with somebody like that, where it's mm-hmm. huge. I mean, for the day in and day out well-being, you know, totally. each match doesn't define your career. You know, I think Bethany Maddox-Sands has most recently kind of gone on about saying that so many tennis players define themselves on their losses and you lose usually every week yeah. if you're playing, you know, so it's something where we kind of have to. Yeah, it's OK. Yeah, look, yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't know. Look at the big picture. She had the yeah. she had this three months, six months are going rather than just one week at a time where sometimes yeah. it can be, I don't know, stuff. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, let's transition a little bit into a gear chat. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> you don't have to worry about the mental no. side of this. <laughs> um, you wear K-Swiss um, apparel and you also wear the K-Swiss Hypercord Express, which we also at Tennis Warehouse love that shoe. But whatever like K-Swiss presents to us, they're like, this is not really a high performing like <laughs> pro shoe. Yeah. But we know a lot of players like yourself that love it so cushioned and comfortable and all of that but for 2020 it sounds like they have redesigned the shoe and basically redesigned it with your feedback and you in mind so talk to me about that footwear the footwear is awesome i mean the case with shoes like you said are always insanely comfortable they're so So comfortable (laughs) i've got a little bit of a wider foot so it's nice okay there you go um, very comfortable yeah i don't think they're unstable in general but uh the 2020 moving forward They've just added a little more reinforcement. They made the cushion a little stiffer, a little more responsive, okay. responsive and a little yeah. more ankle support. Nice. And it's just a it's a little bit of a it's going to be a little bit stiffer than the previous model, which I think is very good and important for the high performance. Mm-hmm. Being able to change on a dime and you have to be able to move. It's a huge yeah. part of it. <laughs> and but it stays true to the case with brand and very comfortable and it's still comfortable and the design's awesome. We're excited and we've seen some of the campaigns oh. around <laughs> it. It looks like you are going to be out there. <laughs> well, I hope you that's guys really enjoy. Cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool. And I know they're no longer in thousands oaks but i know they used to have an office down there which is yeah nice little hometown connection now they're in la i think but still close (laughs) yeah it still feels like home yeah 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 ucla and thousand oaks you're right there you know it's it's awesome being (laughs) being partners with two california brands it's 
It's awesome. I would I didn't expect it to be honest just from the start, but I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad it's all worked out. Yeah, for sure. Now let's talk a little bit about your racket. Yes. You play with the Yonex V Core ninety five and you do get it customized by our very own Paul Reed. Yes. Talk about your customizations. Paul's the man. He knows what he's yeah. doing. He's been doing it forever. <laughs> uh, nothing will get by him. So I'm using the V Core ninety five, which I love. It's right. maneuverable, solid. It's a very mm-hmm. control-oriented frame, but we wanted to add a little bit more stability to it and a little more power to it and make okay. sure that all the frames are the same. So he added nice. some weight to the top and some to the handle, I don't know, three and nine about yeah. on the hoop. And it was, a, it was a process, starting out with a stock frame and kind of figuring out what works. Add a little bit to the hoop, to add a little power, add a little bit to the handle to keep it more maneuverable. And it was, it took a, I don't know, it took probably a week or two kind of figuring out what specs worked for me, finding what gives me enough weight to feel stable that when I'm deep in the court, I can really get enough penetration through the court can really, it Mm -hmm. gives me the easy power, but yet not too heavy that I have a tough time with hitting the angles. If the ball's low and I need to get the ball up and down quick, I can, um, I'm not in position and I need to flick the wrist. So it was, it was kind of looking for a balance, which worked for me. We also went up a grip size from last year. It kind of helped give me a little bit more stability at contact. It actually, in the, I mean, in the previous year, I actually went down in weight this year compared to years past. I, I was starting to get some elbow issues. And so I wanted something that was a little bit easier on the arm. Okay. But still finding the balance of where, where the racket helps me and I still have where it's light enough where I can maneuver it around. Cool. And then talk about your strings a little bit. <laughs> the strings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I've had a few people ask and I'm like, it, it's a smaller brand. So it's a smaller brand. Pro Stringer, my friend Ruben Statham, he, he owns it and he makes them. And I've been using it for about a year and a half. It's a little bit of a softer polyester. And to be honest, uh, I've never seen a string like it where the mains and crosses where a lot of these strings, they always have a snapback feature. So when the ball hits the string bed moves and it comes back to the original place. His string, honestly, you can play for it for two days and the strings will always be perfectly straight no matter what. Now that I've been using it for a while, it's hard for me to go back because I'm used to it now. It's nice knowing that every time I hit the ball, it's going to be the same every single time. That's cool. And what tension do you stay around? I usually uh, keep it around 50 pounds, plus or minus two or three pounds, depending on if it's hot or colder. Cool. Any other gear things that we need to know? <laughs> yeah, Turner grip. I use Turner grip. Oh, Turner grip. That's always grip a good that one. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. And what was I going to say? You're not interested in switching rackets anytime soon. You're going to stick with what you've got, or are you always kind of on the lookout for something new? Right now, I'm pretty happy with what I've got. <laughs> I mean, it's always fun looking at what's out there, but yeah. I think I'm happy with what we've got. Yeah, I feel like there's like two kinds of players, like the player that refuses to ever switch from what they've got. And then the player that's like always trying to like find the next good thing. (laughs) So good. Good to stay with what you know, especially going into Australia. (laughs) Let's just wrap things up with some fun little quick fire questions. Okay, this one's a little deep, but it's not going to be too deep. (laughs) But what keeps you grounded? The family, the people around me. Nice. 
What's the first thing you've splurged on? <laughs> to be honest, I haven't done anything crazy yet. I've, nice. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, after the tournament winning the Indian Wells, the doubles, and then I've been getting myself like a small thing. I got AirPods and Apple Watch. Nice. Okay. But, no, I, but I haven't gotten a new <laughs> car. I, I still have my 10-year-old <laughs> Subaru Impreza. <laughs> nice. But yeah, we'll see. Okay. Uh, favorite emoji? Favorite emoji, the, the laughing so hard that you're crying. Nice. <laughs> what is your signature shot? It's the running forehand. Nice. What does the best day off look like for you? The best day off? I mean, ideally, I'd love to go skiing, yeah. but I can't do that for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, your off season's too short. Uh, to be honest, a perfect day off is to have a relaxed morning, sleep in a little mm -hmm. bit, have a nice brunch, and then have a barbecue with some friends in the afternoon. Nice. Sounds perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee order. Coffee order. I would say uh, vanilla sweet cream cold brew. Nice. If you weren't playing tennis, what would you be doing? That's tough. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's an honest I like that answer. Favorite player at the moment? Favorite player at the moment. Ooh. Medvedev's a beast right now. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I think that's insane. And then who was your favorite player when you were growing up? Uh, growing up at Agassi. Nice. Yeah. Best walkout song. <laughs> that is a uh, that is a good question. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I'm blanking out right now. Oh my okay. god! Okay, next question. What hyped you? Yeah. Okay. Next question. No worries. <laughs> this one might throw you a little. Make a bold prediction for something that's going to happen in tennis in the next year. Something that's going to happen. I mean, I, <laughs> next gen guy going to win the Grand Slam. Yeah, yeah, we've had a few yeah. say that. <laughs> Best advice to someone transitioning into the pro tour? Surround yourself with the right people, with people you trust and people that you vibe with. And then if you could give us like a life quote or a motto that you live by. Eyes on the stars, feet in the ground. Oh, so you hit, you hit us with a few good quotes in that. <laughs> I like it. Um, where's the best way that people can keep up with you and follow you? What's your Instagram handle? All okay. of that good stuff. Best, okay, Instagram handle mkoskirone. Uh, I could be more <laughs> vigilant on it, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it's probably the best way. Cool. And then for anyone that's listening, Marcos is one of our team T-Dub sponsored players. So we try to give him a little shout out every now and then too. So we're following him. <laughs> so you can see, find him in uh, the people that we follow. So what does the beginning of 2020 look like schedule wise for you? Schedule wise, I'm going to go down to Australia. I think I'll start out with a challenger in Canberra 125. And, okay. then, nice. and then the week after either Auckland 250 or Adelaide. Okay, I'm not sure yet then Australian Open. Cool. So very well, excited. That's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. You've had such an amazing year and we can't wait to watch what 2020 brings for you. Thank you. And, and, I, and, thank, you and so thank you all for all the support and love. It's been awesome. Of and, course. Uh, believing in me i really appreciate yeah, it we are, we do we're like family as well yes. so we, it's it's fun to have you on our team and be a part of the journey well, um anything else any last words don't forget to check out tennis warehouse <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> we'll take it no. cool thank you so much for joining us marcos thank you thanks for having me Thank you so much for listening to this week's Talk Tennis episode. Do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you'd like to let us know who you'd like to hear from next or what questions we can answer for you on one of our future episodes, let us know in the comments or reach out to us on email at podcast at tennis-warehouse.com. And until next time, happy hitting. Happy hitting.